Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Bible study on Talk Shoe. Good to see you folks there in the chat room tonight. And folks, tonight we're going to be in John chapter 11. And uh, we'll probably won't be there won't be there all that long tonight. Lord willing, we won't go no 2 hours tonight because it's just dealing with basically one subject, but there'll be a few trails that we'll take when we get down toward the end of the chapter. Brother Dave, if you would, go ahead and open us in a word of prayer, brother. Yes, Father, tonight we give you thanks and we come to you and we ask, Father, again, for the presence of the Holy Spirit to magnify and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and to teach us the word of the Lord and to cause us to seek after the Lord and to understand the things of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, Father, And tonight I pray that the enemies of God are driven from our lands. I pray that everything they put their hand to falters and fails. I pray, Lord, that they lose all their welfare, all these foot soldiers, all these refugees, all these Jews that are here, that they lose their banks, that they lose their stocks, their bonds, their welfare, that everything their hands are put to turn to ruin. I pray that that their men become impotent and unable to have sex, procreation, their women's wombs are closed as long as they're within the borders of our habitation. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that they lose the ability to speak English, understand English, write English. I pray that they're filled with a great depression and and a great remorse at being within the borders of our habitation. And I pray that a great longing and desire to return to their own lands where their people, with their culture, people that look like them, laugh like them, talk like they talk, and eat their food, and read the things that they read, and 
and socialize the way they like to socialize. And when they return to the border of their habitation with the knowledge of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that all these things be lifted. And if it's your willingness to bless them and to save them, so be it there within their borders. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus, so be it. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, John chapter 11, Brother Dave, you can go ahead and get started with verse 1. Yes, John chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her her sister Martha. Okay, you can go ahead and stop right there at the first verse, because this the, the rest of this chapter is going to be dealing with those three characters right there and the word Lazarus only appears twice I mean it appears 15 times in the New Testament but it's two different people once Lazarus here the brother of Mary and Martha and then you have Lazarus mentioned in the story of Lazarus and the rich man in Luke chapter 16 which we'll deal with in a little while I'll go into that a little bit But notice how it says here in verse 1, in the town of Mary. This is Mary Magdalene. This is the one that was at Jesus' feet, anointing his feet, while Martha was so busy about her business. And the Lord said she had done the the better thing. Always the Lord is commending Mary for sitting at his feet and understanding what's going on and always gives her the gold star. And Mary is always running around doing this for the Lord, doing that, doing this, doing that, cumbered about with all sorts of business. And she never gets that. The Lord never says anything about her. I wonder why. It's a lesson to be learned, the two different personalities. You could even break it down in a certain, and maybe it'd be a stretch, but you could kind of you could kind of take these two women here and classify one as the bride and one as national Israel. You could do that. That type would hold pretty much, pretty much. It wouldn't be a hundred percent, but it would hold quite a bit. Anyway, verse two, brother. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, <clears throat> whose brother Lazarus was sick. Okay. Now, the only, this, it is, it's amazing how in the other Gospels, Mary is never mentioned. Her name's not mentioned in, in, uh, when she was doing this, okay? Worshiping Jesus at his feet. It's not mentioned in the, in, in the other Gospels, but John mentions it here. And another thing about this this miracle that's fixing to take place here. This is the seventh miracle that Brother John uses in his Gospels. He uses seven particular miracles. This is the last one because we're only a week away from the Passion. This is his seventh sign or miracle that he records. Now, there's a bunch that's done, but this is the seven that he chose. So let me appeal to your spiritual mind. 
When you've got time, go back and start in chapter 1 and look at the miracles and see if you can apply those miracles to the state of man. I'm talking about state of natural man right to the end. And see if you can figure out the salvation part, the sin part, the joy part, the self-righteousness part. See, I've just told you about. <laughs> you could now give you a hint. All right? But there's out of these seven, all seven of them, put them together, and you ought to be able to see, you ought to be uh, see the steps. You ought to be able to find the steps in a life of an individual. First, dead in trespasses and sin. Built the rags of his own self-righteousness. It's all in here, folks. That's spiritual understanding. All right? So when you have time, go back and check it out. Go back and check it out. And John, after these seven miracles or signs that he uses, he tells you in the last chapter that there's many more that he did, but he chose these seven for a reason. Now, if he chose these seven for a reason, there is there, nothing happens by chance, folks. He did it for a reason, so I just gave you a hand. Okay? I told you at the beginning of this book that this book was, it was it's so shallow that a child can play in the water, and it's so deep that a professional swimmer can drown in. All right? It runs the gamut from one spectrum to the other of its depth. That's why it's, it's probably the most popular gospel that there is. I don't know of any um, gospels of Matthew laying around anywhere, but you can find gospels of John just about everywhere. Specific gospel, so just think about what I just got through saying, okay? Brother David, if you will, just quickly turn to John 20, and let's look at the last few verses and see what Brother John said about what I just got through talking about, okay? Okay, okay. I'm there in John 20. Last few ver- last couple, two or three verses. Jesus saith unto them, unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. There you go. There's many more, but he just gave you seven. He just gave you seven. So, Back to John 1, brother. Yes. Out 11, excuse me. Verse 3. Yes. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Wow. Well, this come on, Lord. This guy does die. What kind of death is he talking about? Hmm? See, he knows what he's going to do already. 
This sickness is not unto death. Well, he dies. But he knows what's going to happen in the end. That God should get glory, and the, one of the examples that you better be glad is in in the in the Word of God. This is a fantastic chapter. Go ahead, brother. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick. He abode two days still in the same place where he was. Okay, now in verse 5, he said, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So he loved all three. When I was making that statement a while ago, back up in verse 2, or verse 1, about Mary and Martha, Martha's character that's presented in all four Gospels, okay? I was taking into account the Lord loved Israel, period, whether it be just the bride or the bride and natural Israel. So, see, that's the way I think, folks. That That's that's just the way I study. I'm looking for stuff like that. If you're just reading it like Dick Tracy, it, 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 that the dog won't hunt. But I read with malice of forethought, quote-unquote, so to speak, looking for things like that. And then the flag goes up, the bell rings when I hit certain things. So, just another hint about studying. Continue on, brother. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now, I wonder if, I wonder if my kid was sick and nigh unto death. And I just decided I'd hang. I'd, instead of going somewhere, I hung just hung out a couple of days. See, he meant what he was saying. He's doing all this for a reason. Every bit of it. Go ahead, brother. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, "Let us go into Judea again." His disciples say unto him, "Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again?" Jesus answered. Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Absolutely not. The dark, this, the light of this world, the light that this world puts out is dark light. We are the light of the world. We're what's left, the candlesticks, the lit candlesticks of God, metaphorically speaking, okay? And and that then darkness can only creep in when lights go dim and go out. So, speaking in that kind of terms, what condition do you think we're in today? You think that everybody that professes the name of Christ has got a lit candle? <laughs> I don't think so. Or as it says in our old King James, I trow not. The light of this world. Jesus is the door. This book. The Holy Spirit. The candlesticks of God. 
All that stuff fits together like a glove, folks. Read Psalms 119. You'll understand what I'm talking about. Continue on, brother. Verse 11. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go, that I may awake him out of of the sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Okay, the Lord's just using this sleep as an idiom, okay? He's just using it, saying, okay, the Lazarus is asleep now. And as a general rule, when it speaks of sleep, it only, and talking about this kind of sleep, which he's fixing to tell them, hey, Lazarus is dead. When it talks about sleep concerning Christians, He's talking about death. You, it's all, it, sleep is always used in reference with Christians as a general rule. There might be a specific place or somewhere that it pops up having to do with the unsaved or the lost of this world. But as a general rule, it always is in the context with Christians. All right. Verse 12, brother. Then said... His disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then Jesus, then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. Oh, the intent that you may believe. Well, there are people try to tell you these guys done believed. No, they're fixing to get a lesson. I mean, in a little while, we're, I'll, I'll, I'll probably um, put an addendum on this believing thing because we're going to be jumping books shortly. But to the intent that you may believe, Well, now, these guys left everything that they had, quit their jobs, left their boats, and followed Jesus. But the Lord's still trying to get them to believe. Just like where we're going to go, the Lord says that he's doing something. Well, I'll just tell you, we're going to go back to Matthew 13 and understand what parables are actually all about. And he says he's speaking in parables so that this certain bunch of people won't believe, but he says the ones that's listening to him at the time he's speaking, that they believe, and they ain't believing squat. I've, I've went, as we've come through the Gospels, I've showed you over and over again how the Lord talks about, well, i got to go up, the Son of Man, you know, must be in the ground three days and three nights, like in the belly, in, uh, um, Jonah in the belly of the whale. And these, these them suckers don't believe, they don't understand squat yet. Now, why is it, that truth. Why is it that they don't understand the things the Lord is saying yet? Why? Ask yourself why. I just got through reiterating it last night and the night before. There is no Holy Spirit come down yet. <laughs> There's no teacher inside of them yet. They're still in the natural. Judas is right there with them. The testament is not in effect yet. The Holy Ghost has not come down yet. 
See? And you would not know that. You would, everybody, there would be speculation on your part if you didn't let the Bible give you the answer. The Bible gives you the answer in Hebrews chapter 9. <laughs> That's how important that is. That wasn't just a bunch of ravens from Brother Don. That's the truth. And you need to keep that in mind when you're studying the Gospels, when things come up. Go ahead, Brother Dave. Verse 16, Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Yeah, my big bad Thomas, sticking his big size 10 in his, li in his mouth. He's the last one to, to believe on the Lord after the death, burial, and resurrection. And the Lord has to make him stick his hands in his side, show himself, so Thomas will believe. He's a doubting Thomas. Now he's, he's talking big right now. Let's go down and die with him. <laughs> and later on, he just cuts the mud and leaves the Lord, and he's the last one back. Verse 17, brother. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Okay. That's very important because when the Lord made, when he raised Jairus, uh, Jairus what was that guy's name? Um, Jairus' son and the widow of Nain's son, they had just died. I mean, this is spectacular here because the fourth day, the body is in deep corruption. You're going to find that out shortly. This is a big deal, what's fixing to take. This demonstration that he's fixing to do now is a big deal. It carries all kind of implications throughout the rest of the Bible. This, if you don't get it, you, got, you get this. And you understand this. You believe what's fixing to come up here and what the Lord's trying to show. You'll be stepped, you'll be leaps and bounds ahead of a lot of people that claim, I believe, only believe. But then on the other hand, we take this stuff by faith. And the ones that get these things by faith, are more blessed than the ones that got it when he was present with them because there was no faith involved then. That's what the Lord says about us. And you see the results and the lack of faith in the day we live in. And like I was making reference to a while ago, they, the, about the candles being lit and everybody, all these so-called professing Christians in these mega churches and oh they're anyway I'll make more I'll comment about that as we get further continue on brother I'm, Verse getting the, I'm getting the cart before the horse go ahead now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem about 15 furlongs off that's two miles folks go ahead brother and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother then Martha then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. <laughs> there she goes. Boom. Always busy. Always busy. That's her character. That's what she does. 
Hmm. Mary stayed in the house. Go ahead, brother. Verse 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And that's true. That's very true. Because there is not a recorded instance in Scripture where anybody, anybody died in the presence of the Lord. There's not one recorded instance that anyone died in the presence of the Lord. Verse 22, brother. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, Martha, shallow thinking would would, uh, make you think that, well, Martha, she believes in the resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection. No, she don't. She's speaking of some whimsical way out there. Oh, I know, way on down yonder at the last day. Yeah, the general resurrection, that's what she's talking about in her mind. Okay? When the Lord said, thy brother shall rise again. She didn't he didn't even get it out of his mouth good. Mary says what she says. That's not what he's talking about, Martha. And we're fixing to see that in verse twenty five. Go ahead, brother. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Wow. I am I am that I am. The resurrection. God manifest in the flesh. I am. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. For the dead in Christ shall rise first. Everybody's got, we know everybody, the resurrection, the dead's going to come up. Is that what the Lord's talking about? Well, let's see what verse 26 says. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Paul gets it correct. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the dead in Christ, verse 25, shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, to him that liveth and believe. They shall never die. Paul's got it perfect. Explains the what the Lord's talking about here perfectly. And his epistles explains it to a T. You can go read about it in First Corinthians chapter fifteen, First Thessalonians chapter four, and Second Thessalonians chapter two. 
the Apostle Paul explaining the Lord's words and putting it into eschatology. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. What an awesome thing to think. Should we go without dying? What an honor. What that, that would be some a genetic rewrite in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Second Thessalonians tells you all about it. First Thessalonians chapter four tells you all about it. It's a it's a mystery. But Paul says we that are alive and remain and the indications of that alive and remain is there's going to be few men left. Few men. Because before any of that takes place, before any of that takes place, contrary to all this false doctrine out there that I used to be a part of years and years ago, ain't nobody going nowhere till everything happens that's prophesied before that time takes place. No pre-tribulation catching away. No pre, no, 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 not according to the book. Now, I could come in here and I could keep you away from certain scripture and I could go to the verses that implies that. But see, I'd be keeping away keeping you away from the whole counsel of God. See, that's what was done to me. With good, you know, and with good intent. Folks, these people that teach these, it's not that they're, not all of them, okay? I'm going to say not all of them, but some are hirelings, like we mentioned last night. But some people believe this stuff with all their heart. At the time I believed, I believed it with all my heart. And I, I never, I would still be believing it if I hadn't, hadn't been in between churches and had a long period of time to be studying for myself and let the Spirit deal with me on His own through studying the Word of God and the, and the, and the Holy Spirit ringing my bells. Doug, they didn't show you this verse. I never will forget the day it happened. I was sitting, I, I, I heard somebody online talking about a Strong's Concordance online. Didn't have a clue there was one. Don't know nothing about it. I still don't know anything about a computer, okay? But I found it and I typed in some words dealing with this and I saw all those other verses that I hadn't been shown before and that I hadn't been teaching before. And I've been through this book mucho times, folks, from cover to cover. And that was the start, okay? That's when I quit. I, that's when I pushed away all the stuff and started all over again and come through again to make sure to prove all things and hold fast to that which is good and search the Scriptures to see if those things be, be so. Acts 17.11. That's when it started. But I'd still be teaching the same stuff. Now, all their doctrine, their their basic doctrine is sound. It's solid as a rock. 
because it's up. I'm, when I when I say solid as a rock, folks, I'm not talking about the prayer. The I'm not talking about the um, the big liberal first Presbyterian church that all they do is get up there and smile and have happy days, or the first Methodist, or the Episcopalian, or no, I ain't talking about none of that. I'm talking about grassroots evangelical. Bible-believing Christianity has the basic foundations of the doctrine from the church fathers all the way through. They have it right. That's the reason you always, like Brother Chad was asking me about before the program started, where he could find that stuff about church history. That's what you find when you study church history, folks. You find out that those basic doctrines, the death, burial, and resurrection being the gospel, the second coming of Christ, the, you know, the judgment seat of Christ, and the white throne judgment, those basic doctrines having to be uh, the uh, sin being remitted, that everybody's a sinner, all that basic stuff is solid as a rock. They are your brethren, contrary to what some of our persuasion says, that badmouth them all the time. Because they've got one doctrine wrong, you'd think that they had horns growing out of their head and they was wading through the pits of hell. And that's not true. I've made this comment many times before, and I, and I don't make any apologies for it. I'd walk through 98% of CI. I, 90, I'd walk through 98.5% of CI and the Anglo-Israel truth to find a good, quote-unquote, a good Christian doing what he's supposed to do. And you know where I'd find them? I'd find them in a little old church, a little evangelical Bible-believing Baptist church somewhere in the South, more than likely. And I'd leave that other 98.5% behind because all they're doing fighting and causing confusion and teaching false doctrine, they'll take, instead of being wrong on one doctrine and right on the rest, they're wrong about all the rest and right on the one. I'll say that again where you can get it. The good Bible-believing churches that are Judeo-Christian are wrong on one doctrine and right on the rest. The ones that have the Anglo-Israel truth right, the 98.5% of them, they're right on one doctrine and wrong on all the rest. Isn't that a trip? It's amazing what pride will do for you, isn't it? <laughs> Since that's the first thing that the Lord hates, in Proverbs chapter 6, a proud look, these six things that the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, so on and so on. That's why, that's why when you part listening to that mess, it's the same thing over and over and over again. White's right, Jews bad. White's right, Jews bad. Ain't we wonderful? Ain't we great? And they live like hell. And I don't, I'm not saying that, Judd. I've seen it with my own eyes from some of their quote-unquote leaders. 
So don't accuse me of judging. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm judging the tree by the fruit it bears. You see some of them that come into this chat room with the filthy mouth and programs gone by? That's them. That's them. I've got two verses I'd like to read from Lamentations chapter 4, starting at verse 6. Go ahead, brother. For the punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the punishment of the sin of Sodom. That was overthrown as in a moment, and no hand stayed on her. Her Nazarites were purer than snow. They were whiter than milk. They were more ruddy in body than rubies. Their polishing was of sapphire. And yet their punishment and iniquity was greater than that of Sodom. There you go, brother. So white isn't necessarily right. It's That's not right. that we're supposed to race, mix, or anything, but... That's right, brother. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Bible says, what Brother David just told you. That's the truth. When a seed is planted and sprouts up and grows, it bears fruit, folks. It And you can, the Lord's the one that said you can judge the tree by the fruit it bears, not Brother Don. And if you think good fruit is a display, if you think white's right and the Jew's bad is a displaying of the fruits of the Spirit of God that dwells in every believer, I got news for you. You are very strongly deceived, and you're very, very wrong. Turn to Galatians 5, brother, and read to them what the fruits yes. of the Spirit are. Galatians chapter 5. Okay. About halfway down the chapter. But the fruits of the Spirit are. It's right after he gets through talking about the deeds of the flesh. Okay. Uh, 5.18, Galatians 5.18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, Emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such of like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Amen. That's the fruits of the Spirit, folks. If so be the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Back here in verse 26. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me, Shall never die. Then he asked the question, Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. 
And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying... Okay, wait just a minute, brother. Wait just a minute. She said, yeah, I believe thou art Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Is that all a person has to believe? No, it's not. Believest thou this? I will stand on verse 26 for reason. Believest thou this? We can, hey, when we're in good health, and we got a dime in your pocket to spend, you know, and the kids are okay, and they're not, die, they're not in a hospital bed or in a nursing home dying. We can make these big, bold, brassy statements. I believe that. Yes, glory to God. Hallelujah. But how about when the doctor says it's terminal? Or somebody knocks at the door and hands you divorce papers? Or Another knock at the door and said, your child just got killed in a car wreck. We still glory to God and hallelujah then. It's in the times of trouble and in the times of pain and in the times of disgruntledness when things are just all kilter out of the way, that's when you're Faith is tested, and only then. You've got these heretics out here today that tries to tell you the only way you know you're a Christian and godly is if everything's going wonderful for you. And if all sickness is of the devil, all tragedy is of the devil, all that stuff, see, that's they have flip-flopped the truth of the doctrine of Christian suffering in the body of Christ, the three, the New Testament, it's all through the epistle. I mean, it's so plain. That's why they don't talk about it. They'll stay over here in the Gospels, which seems to indicate what they're talking about, that the stuff, the, what, what they're selling, what they're pushing. That's uh, the doctrine of works there. They believe that if they are righteous and doing the right works to please God, that God protects them and blesses them and does everything for them because of the works they do. That's part of it. It sure is. Real quick, Brother Dave, turn over to, um, it's either 1 Corinthians 10 or 2 Corinthians 10, where Paul's talking about his thorn in the flesh. Oh, okay. You know where that's at? I will get it in a sec. Okay. But, folks, listen. If if godliness and um, status with the Father depends on your outward appearance and your stature in this world, if you believe that, if you if you actually buy what this this bunch of reprobates out there are selling, you're a fool. You do not know the word of God. You have been deceived. 
Do you reckon those people that died in the Smithfield fires, do you reckon those over 30 million martyrs that were killed in the Dark Ages, you think they had sin in their life because that's the reason they were killed? See, you need to think about this stuff because all around you, the peer pressure, what man thinks of you, what your even family might think of you might cause you to go and go and walk the path of the world and the spirit of the world instead of the now way and going through the door. It doesn't make a tinker's damn what your family thinks or what the world thinks. What you're supposed to set your affections on is plainly dictated to you in this book. And that narrow way is is got pitfalls in it and pain in it and heartache in it all the way through. How do I know? Because we have 2,000 years of true Christianity back all the way to the martyrdom of the apostles to prove it. Even if you didn't have the Word of God, you could look at the ones that profess the Word of God or profess Christianity and see what happened to them and go off that by example. Prosperity breeds monsters, folks. Adversity breeds character. That's not only true in the world and in the natural, but it's the same in the spiritual. The greatest Christian that ever lived and wrote almost all the New Testament that had the personal teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ that gave you the seven mysteries that told you to be a follower of Him five different times, the only other person outside of Christ that you're told to follow in the Scriptures, every time He turned around, it was a stripe, it was stripes on His back, shipwrecks, all kind of stuff going on in His life. Do you think He was getting the judgment of God because He was a sinner? See? That's what the worldly church will tell you. You're judged according to your financial status, how you dress, what you look like, how you talk. That gets your judgment by the world. That's not the way the Lord looks at it, according to His Word. We have gotten so far away from the truths of the New Testament that it makes me sick. You got Paul saying, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in him. For these light afflictions are but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight in glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
And the old fisherman said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. And on and on and on. But through much tribulation, we must enter the kingdom of God. And the seventh church in the book of Revelation, it makes God sick. And if it makes Him sick, it makes me sick. I'm sick of my own self. You better be glad it's by grace through faith. I'm sure glad and thank the Lord for it all the time. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We have His righteousness. Thank the Lord Jesus Christ for what He did. Thank God that we were chosen before the foundation of the world. Characters, what you ought to want to see out of your kids, that ought to be the number one thing. Biblical Christian character. Not wealth and finances and the good speak from all the world around them. You should hold their feet to the fire if you got kids. And in eternity, they'll thank you for it. They might not like it while they're being pulled through at the present, but who does? Nobody's happy on the rack. Read what the Apostle Paul said, brother. Okay. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell. Or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, That thorn is from Satan, but it's given by God, folks. I don't want you to miss this point. Go ahead, brother. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, 
My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Read that again. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Absolutely. Strength is made perfect in weakness. It's contrary to the way the world looks at things, folks. Bless God, can't you get it? You may not like Hey, I don't even like it. And I preach it. But I know it's true. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Bingo. Turn to Revelation 3 real quick, brother. Okay. Oh, listen. There's not a single Bible scholar, there is not a single quote-unquote Bible teacher of any persuasion that will deny where we're going now. It's the seventh church, the last one in line of church history. It's the last church in the in history that uh, that John writes about in history past. It was the Laodiceans in history future. It'll be the last body, part of the body of Christ or professing church that's left. Nobody will disagree with that. And if you think everything I've just said was a bunch of bloviating hot air. Let's see what the Lord said to the church in Laodicea. Revelations chapter 3, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with good. Okay, well, let, me, let, let me, listen. You may not say it, the, the body politic might not say it with their mouth, but that's, they're saying it with their life, folks. They're saying it with their deeds, their works. They're saying it with their Christian character. They're saying it with their love for the Word of God, their lack thereof. Their love for the Lord Jesus Christ and the lack thereof. They're saying it with what they're doing. And you, can, you know that's true by the condition we're in. Whoever heard of a panty-laced woman behind a pulpit? Whoever. Altruist relative will marry she preached to God. A woman could preach all she wants to, but not behind a pulpit, not over a congregation in the seat of authority, not according to the Word of God, not according to my book. Whoever heard of a church, a line, a faggot, a stinking queer, a transvestite? You got queers in the pulpit, transvestites in the pulpit. Oh, but we're progressing. We're marching on to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. Yeah, uh-huh. You're dipping your feet in the stinking flames of hell's what you're doing. But this church, future tense, from history, 
This is the last generation. This is the last church. And this is their condition. And they don't, And you're not sitting out their mouth. You're living it. Your lifestyle. It goes along with the world. When the biblical, the biblical idioms, the biblical doctrine says, love not the world, neither the things, T-H-I-N-G-S, that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And folks, you don't get for one second think that I'm talking about you got to cut yourself self-flagellation. I'm not talking about that, folks. That's heresy. Some people, I, I, some people get me the wrong way. I'm telling you what the Bible says you should expect in your life. If so be, the Spirit of God dwelleth in you, and if you go against it when it comes, and don't accept it like it is, you're going against the direct will of God and the written Word of God. That's what I'm saying. You don't go looking for the trouble, it will find you according to the book. Back to John, brother. One thing for a sec. Just like what you said is absolutely true. I hope so. And also, you better believe it is. And also, you can actually literally take this part literal. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods. Pastor Don, you know, the sad truth is, and I have been in many churches where people have had this... um, blessing this seed faith blessing business where they've bragged about getting thousandfold blessings on i gave a hundred dollars and i got a thousandfold full blessing and i got this and the lord's been blessing me so much and i got new cadillac cars and houses and they're going on like hey i have no need of nothing i got money that's all from god amen brother listen let me tell you what i was talking to brother tony adams today and I didn't mention this one to him like Brother Davis talking about, but this is true. What you a lot of people, and I've done it, and I'm sure you've done it, a lot of things that you've called blessings has been a curse to you in your Christian life if you mm-hmm. looked at it, if you stepped back and looked at it through the eyes of the Word of God. Yes, amen. If you're honest, you will say Amen. And that's what's happening today. The, as a general rule, they try to tell you that the, that profit, prosperity, all good health, all that stuff is blessings from God. That's a half-truth, folks. That's a half-truth. And what today, the whole thing that the spirit of this world is doing and what Satan is doing is trying to tear it, take everything that all the foundations the Lord has made and set the things in order is trying to twist it around to say evil's good and good's evil, that right is wrong and wrong is right, that white is black and black is white. 
and female is male, and male is female, and curses are blessings, and blessings are curses, that's what he's doing, making a mockery out of God. And using God's kids to do it. What a slam. Continue on in Revelation, brother. Read what the Lord says. Oh, okay. I'll go back there. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment. Okay. Oh, the gold, it comes out of the fire. You know what the fire does? It purges. It burns. But yet gold comes out of it. What is that telling you? Just those that one simple verse is telling you everything I've been spitting about for the last 20 minutes. I've counseled thee to buy me gold tried in the fire. What does it say in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 about that fire? Every man's work shall be tried by fire. By fire. And therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, Paul says, concerning this judgment. In 2 Corinthians 5, Continue on, Brother David. Okay. As many as I love, I rebuke. Oh, so I should finish that verse. We didn't finish. Yeah. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest so they're blinded. They've been blinded by the spirit of the world. They think they're, they're just like the people the Lord was talking to in Matthew 13. They're, they have eyes, but yet they can't see. These people are blind, folks. This church is blind. This corporate bunch is blind. And they're miserable, wretched, naked. Blind and poor, yet they, they think that they're doing fine. And the Lord in His mercy says, I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire. That's suffering, folks. That's to, that's to accept what the Lord did. And now He's fixing to tell you where a lot of that stuff that we think sometimes are curses are actually blessings. Because it's coming from the Lord. And we have been, our brains have been so manipulated from all different directions in this spiritual warfare that we're in today. This electronics warfare that's going on, all these radio waves going through our mind. Our fleshy mind, not our spiritual mind, our fleshy mind. The only way to keep that mind in there sound and that is to stay in the book. That's the food. That's what nourishes the spiritual mind. 
That's what nourishes that spiritual man, that inward man. That's why you have to die to self. That's why you have to live the crucified life. That's reason for everything that's been taught. And it's as foreign as a slant-eyed Chinese from an Alabama redneck to so-called Christians today. Continue reading, brother. As many as I love, I rebuke. So the Lord is going to rebuke and chasten. And if he don't, well, you ain't his anyway. Oh, you're judging again. No, no, I'm not either. I'm just telling you what the book says. Continue reading, Brother Dave. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. And that's okay. Real quick, turn to Hebrews 12. Start reading at verse 6. Just in case some of the downloaders think that I'm making this stuff up, because they won't read the Bible anyway. And if they do, they got some um, Mickey Mouse comic book, Superman, you know, the Avenger comic book. They ain't got a Bible. Right. Hebrews 12, 6. Start there. Okay. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son whom every, he receiveth. Every, every E-B-R-Y in every Greek manuscript that's ever existed. Every son, you hear me? Every one of them. He not only chastens, but scourges. Two different types of punishment. Two different methods of correction. Do you get it? Go ahead, read, brother. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, Whereof all are partakers. Not just the good and the bad. Not just the unruly sons and against the good sons. No, every single one. All are partakers. All without exception. Continue, brother. Then are ye bastards and not sons. Bingo. Bingo. You can that's Sorry. okay, brother. You can get out of Hebrews now. Okay. That was that one point I wanted to bring out that I got through talking about a while ago with no scripture to back it up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Go back to John. John, yeah. Okay. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, brother, I believe that. No, I go back to John, but let me finish first. Oh, okay. okay. Folks, you think about what I'm saying. It's not much as my opinion. It's the Word of God. Now do you understand why Brother Don rides that horse about this book? How important it is. And how it's important it is you pour in it and just you eat it up. It is, it's like honey. It's like bread. I can just go on on and on and on. Like that's the reason I told you go read Psalms 119. Verse 27, brother, go ahead. 
She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had said, had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. I tell you what, brother, we, what, I did not realize we were going to go in the direction we went tonight, and it's already been over an hour, hadn't it, brother Kevin? What time is it, brother? Yeah, it's ten after. Okay. Eight. Let's go ahead and, and stop here, verse twenty nine tonight, brother Dave. Um, okay. This is a work week, and I'm gonna try to hold down on Monday nights and not go no two or three hours on Monday nights because people have to work. Okay. Mhm. Any questions in the chat room? No, sir. Okay. Heavenly Father. I pray that you take the words that's been said tonight, the word of God that's been read, Father, and spoken. May the Holy Spirit take it and work in the hearts of your children, of the ones that truly believe from their heart, the ones that love you, Lord. This book is not just for everything nice, Lord. It's for rebuke as well. Yes, Lord. And, Father, anything, anybody that says otherwise is a liar and speaks not according to your book. Father, I pray that you would hear the prayers of the ones that's in pain tonight, that's in trouble, that has some of these problems we're talking about. Help them to understand like the Apostle Paul came to understand. It's your grace is sufficient and it's your strength is made perfect in our weakness your strength is what it's about your word is what it's about your service is what it's about it's not about us we're here to do thy will O Lord but answer their prayers father Give them some insight on these seven things, dealing with these seven signs here in the Gospel of John that, the, that you inspired Brother John to write about and how it applies in their life. And Father, meet back with us this coming Friday night. We'll give you all the honor and the praise for everything you do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake alone. Amen and amen. Amen. Contact information for Don Spears Ministry. Telephone number is 334-397-2333. The email address is joydon1953 at yahoo.com. Mailing address 3155 Louisville Street, Apartment D1, that's D as in Don, D1, Clio, Alabama, zip code 36017, 36017. Thank you for listening, everyone. Okay, listen, folks, I've been pretty hard tonight, and I didn't even hit a thumb, a, a, a thimble full of the scripture that goes along with what I was talking about.
I just quoted from memory four or five different verses, okay? Apostle Paul even said in Philippians to know him, that to, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship. I want you to listen to me close. And the fellowship of his suffering. Did you get that? The fellowship of his suffering. Love you guys. Lord willing, health permitting, we'll see you guys Friday night. Good job, Brother David. Brother Kevin. Talk to you guys later. Good night, all. And God bless each and every one of you. Family 
cannolis and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.